Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Exiles Network News. Tonight is episode 21, and as usual, we will be discussing what we consider to be the week's most interesting movie news. Now, we're, we're down a man tonight. We are missing Lupe, so it is just myself, Paul, and Christian tonight, and we are going to be taking you through um, – uh, what's a fairly light week in movie news, but we've found some topics that uh, that we think are interesting, and we hope you will as well. Uh, Christian, you want to say hello to our uh, audience? What's going on, everybody? Thanks for sticking it out. I can't believe episode 21, man. Is that what you said? That's crazy. Yeah, sixth episode <laughs> this year, 21 overall. We're, uh, we're we're starting to pile them up. Next thing you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be triple digits if, uh, if all goes well, right? <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for sticking it out. We're missing Lupe tonight, but we will try to do him proud. Try to do him proud. Absolutely. So so I'll give you tonight's rundown. Uh, we're going to start off talking a little bit about last week's uh, Matt Reeves camera test of the new Batman costume and a sample of the Michael Giacchino score. We're going to be talking about Ben Affleck's article uh, in the New York Times uh, yesterday where he opens up about his battles with alcoholism and also gets into a little bit of talk about the um, what drove him from the DC Extended Universe. We're going to talk about Sonic's big weekend at the box office. We're going to talk about Indiana Jones 5. And then we're going to get into our coming soon section with trailers for The Green Knight, Stranger Things Season 4, and Castlevania Season 3. So starting off tonight, uh, last week on Thursday, Matt Reeves gave a 55-second camera test, uh, which he shared on Vimeo and uh, through Twitter. It showed a um, a very darkened look and brief look at the uh, at, at what will likely be the costume for uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman in the upcoming Batman film. Um, and we did get a taste of the Michael Giacchino score. Both the costume and the score uh, were met with... Um, quite a bit of chatter online uh i think short version i think the score or the um the score was universally praised uh for the most part at least based on what i've seen and the costume was met with a little more divisive reactions so christian what what were your thoughts on this 55 second clip of which probably half of it was black screen so uh, what did you think of the little taste we got of the uh of the matt reeves batman costume for robert pattinson you're right it's it's a, it's a pretty brief taste there's not much going on and if you noticed uh, we didn't get the famous bat ears so we didn't get a chance to see whether they're going to go for little nubs a la bvs or if they're going to do something crazy more like the arkham knight uh, arkham city series in the video game so we have no clue quite yet i'll i'll talk a little bit about the score first and then i'll go for the outfit which seems to be exactly what you said that's where most of the people are having their fight online i thought the score was kind of haunting uh, it, it, when I first heard it, I had to listen to it a couple times in a row without looking at the Robert Pattinson reveal because I actually really liked the score. It was dark. It was mysterious. As I said, it kind of had a little haunting aspect to it, and it just sounded really cool. I, we don't know a ton about this movie yet, so uh, the only thing that I guess we're hearing is that it's more of a, a noirish Batman, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to concentrate a little bit more on his detective days. It's obviously a younger version of Batman than what we had with Ben Affleck. So that fits with that. It, it definitely sets the tone. So it remains to be seen if that's what we're going to get moving forward. Now the suit itself, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't have a ton of issues with the suit. I'll be honest with you. I, I really don't. Um, the, 
body part of the suit, if you will, looked a lot like that Arkham Knight slash Arkham City series. And there's these rumors going online where people are like, oh, I read somewhere that the bat symbol is made out of the gun that killed his parents. And we don't know if that's true. Kind of badass if it is, but we don't know if that's true. That part looked cool. So you had this very militaristic armor looking thing. And if it's a younger Batman, cool. I get that. But the cowl looked like it was stitched together from leather. It looked like bad cosplay. And there was this strange kind of collar that was going back to where the cape should be. And that looked like kind of like Comic-Con level cosplay, too. So there was this mix of really high tech with really low tech. And for me, it didn't quite work. Now, again, you just said it a minute ago. It's a 55 second clip that's mostly like dark screen. So I don't know 100% what's going on here. I'm sure we'll get a little bit more, but it was a bit underwhelming. I'm willing to give them a pass because of the short clip and because this is a younger Bruce Wayne. So he it, more like Batman Begins, that that suit definitely got altered as time went on. He was able to turn his head and he was able to do a lot more things in the Christopher Nolan trilogy as you got towards the Dark Knight Rises. So I'm willing to give them a little bit of a pass there. So we need to see more of it. But I'm 50-50 on the suit right now. The score, I'm 100%, but 50-50 on the suit. What about you? Yeah, Christian, very much like you. I, um, you know, I had, uh, I liked the costume. Uh, I think there was some, uh, some clashing of styles going on. So, so first of all, uh, my media impression is it is reminiscent of the Arkham Knight suit, and, and I like that. I thought that looked really cool. Uh, the collar, he's got that uh, sort of semi, he's got that popped collar. It's a short version. Um, the only thing I can really think of uh, that that that's reminiscent of is probably the Gotham by Gaslight batman suit but he's got a big goofy pop collar and off my gaslight so <laughs> yeah, this is this is sort of a scaled down version of that um and then and then I, the last influence i sort of picked up was the libermejo uh, bat suit where the height with the hyper detailed hyper realistic take and and i love the libermejo um costume but that's where you sort of get the stitching uh from and and it works very well in the libermejo costume as a whole uh how those pieces mesh for this one though i I'm not completely sold, but overall, I'd say I'm more positive than negative on this. Um, I don't really care about the gun uh, as the emblem, whether or not that is a gun or not. I don't know. I've heard people say, uh, and you know, I have no experience uh, with guns. I'm not a gun owner. I live in Canada. It's not really a thing here. Uh, certainly, handguns. Um, so that's not a, you know, nothing I can weigh in on. But I have heard people uh, <laughs> who know gun owners who say that that doesn't look like a gun handle. So if it is a gun, it's it's modified. Um, you know, it, but it, it could just be some tool or it could be nothing. It could be a little hinged, uh, you know, a little hinge symbol in the middle to give flexibility. I mean, who knows, right? right? So, um, overall I like the look of it. I don't care either way about the gun. I don't care if it pops out, turns into a tool or if it just looks cool, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, it is dark, it is short, but, um, we do, you know, and there's still things we don't know, right? We don't know what's, what's this going to transition down to and is he going to have a belt a utility belt what's what's that going to look like what are his boots going to look like what are his gloves going to look like yeah. uh, you know what are his ears going to look like as you pointed out is he going to have super long skinny pointy ones he's going to love little nubs you know <laughs> who, who knows right but you know as a first look i like it um and and uh so you know, yeah I, I think it looks good as for the score um I, uh, I I like the score. I thought it was great. Uh, I'm not as high on it as some people, but I'm seeing a lot of superlatives online. Mm. Like you said, it's dark, it's haunting, it's serious, it's intense. Um, that's that's great by me. That's all I want. Uh, keep the my biggest concern, and I've said it every time we talk about this movie, is we have to keep the camp and we have to keep the cheese out. 
And so far, I've seen no indication that camp or cheese is creeping into this film. And that, to me, is the biggest win anytime we get any new piece of news is just please don't let camp and cheese creep in here and destroy this film. And, uh, you know, I've gone in mildly interested in this film. And with each little piece of information that comes out, I'm feeling more emboldened to to trust that this might be good right <laughs> we've had such we've had such trauma since since justice league and uh you know little by little i'm seeing positive signs so um so overall i'm, I'm very impressed by this uh i think it's uh i think it's a good start um you know will it will it get tweaked at all who knows i mean they're into filming now so this is probably pretty close to the final product but uh you know if this is what we're getting i'm 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 okay with that i'm looking forward to seeing more yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Christian, before we move on to our next topic? Uh, yeah, actually, the only thing I would say is like two quick things is uh, you, number one, you're right. I, you know, Camp and Cheese, I think, can have a place in DC Comics and, and, and certain characters. I don't really want to see it in Batman. You know, Batman's one of my favorite characters of all time, and my my and I know I can only speak for myself, and that's unfair, but some of my most favorite Batman stories are the more psychological ones. One of the reasons he's such a great character is because of everything that he's dealt with when he was a child and every, everything that he's, that he's trying to do, the things that he's trying to change without, by the way, having any superpowers. He's rich, right? That's his only superpower. So, and, and that's a great superpower, but at the end of the day, he's a human being that can get killed just as easily as you and me. And it's always been one of the things that I always loved about him, and he's kind of the great moderator, too, in many ways. So Batman is just a fascinating character. So while... Yeah, the the DC universe can absolutely get campy and cheesy. It can. All you got to do is read a few comics and you'll see how campy and cheesy it can get. I just don't want to see that in a Batman film, especially if they're going for a younger Batman where this is supposed to be the beginnings of his journey to the world's greatest detective. Please don't do it. I don't necessarily need to see his parents killed again because we've seen that a hundred times. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it should be jumping into like a happy-go-lucky Batman like Adam West. Just we don't need to do that. So that's number one. So I, I agree with you on that. I think the second thing is, too, is that have you noticed that every single freaking time something gets released, the tribalism just it amps up to 100 percent, 150 percent people that are really rooting for this movie. Let's say they were anti Snyder. They were anti Snyder cut. They're anti whatever came before. They're all about this. Oh, this is great. This is the way to go. But then they were hundred percent behind it. I don't know where they were before because apparently they weren't going to see the movies, but they're hundred percent behind this. Now I'm also seeing many members of the Snyder Cup community bashing the hell out of this. And it's just another reminder of what they've lost. It's another reminder of what they're not going to get. And it probably drives the final nail in the coffin of any return of Ben Affleck unless you're getting some sort of crisis on infinite earths or whatever. So where does this movie fit, you know, moving forward? Does that mean that this is in another universe? I don't know if that's the case, but the only thing I wish, and I'll, I'll end it on this before I throw it back to you, is that I just wish the tribalism wasn't coming into play so much online and where we have this constant fight back and forth. Fans are always going to fight, but it just seems with this stuff, it's like off the deep end, you know? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, um, I agree. Now, now that being said, I mean, on it there this is coming from a place of resentment with snyder fans I um it's it's, I it's less about about robert pattinson um and even even you know not necessarily so much about rat reeves although there is a lot of um 
theorizing about what role he played in Affleck's departure. So I think that mm-hmm. creates a lot of resentment and, and that's somewhat debatable. I think, um, you know, my personal opinion is that he's probably less to blame than some of the other people making mm-hmm. creative choices. And this is going to segue well into our next topic, which is, yes. you know, the, the, the information that came out about Ben Affleck. Um, but there obviously was, uh, I mean, like you say, you get the camps are so divided, right? You get the, you get the camp in the the pro DC camp that's often often but not always anti Snyder, where mm-hmm. DC can do no wrong as long as it's not Snyder, and then you get the Snyder fans who only want Snyder, and I fall more into that category. And it's not mm-hmm. that I'm only going to be accepting of Snyder, but Snyder brought like if I could have created my perfect DC universe with the perfect tone, um, and and perfect um, style. That's mm-hmm. what Snyder was giving me. I was getting exactly what I wanted. So anything yeah. else is not going to be exactly what I wanted. And then when you add in that feeling that perhaps this person that's getting all of this adoration was part of the uh, conspiracy to to basically, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, destroy the DCEU from within mm-hmm. um, in an attempt to course correct let's say um or or someone that was part of you know the the usurping of 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 snyder and affleck Mm -hmm. uh then then of course there's going to be a resentment and a resistance to it uh i think you know matt reeves well you know i i obviously i don't know any more than anyone else that reads all the articles and try to piece tries to piece the clues together but um you know i think he's fairly far removed from the the real sabotage right i think yeah yeah. You know, I think the, you know, whether or not he had a choice to cast Affleck or not, or whether Affleck was fully out, you know, as I say, we'll, we'll talk about in our next segment. So, so, mm. so in summary, I agree with you, the tribalism that there's a middle ground here. I mean, the pro DC fans, you know, anyone non Snyder could do no wrong and they hate the Snyder fans for not thinking mm-hmm. of it the way they do. And Snyder fans have dug in. Uh, now there are some reasonable people, but you do see a lot of the extremes online. So, so moving on, you know, um, Mm -hmm. to the New York times article. So this came out yesterday and this was (laughs) an article. Yeah. So Ben (laughs) Affleck came out and he's finally opening up a little bit. And, you know, the narrative was up until this point that he just couldn't crack the script. He'd came, I think it was on Kimmel. He'd said, you know, I just couldn't crack the script and, you know, it was time to let someone else have a shot at it, which I think most people, uh, that followed this closely knew was, was mostly BS, especially when you have, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like when you have, especially, you know, you've got people like Jay Oliva who, who flat out came out back in September, um, and said, you know, that the original Affleck script was the best script he's, he's ever read. He, his exact quote was Ben had a kick-ass story starting from the beginning. He said the original Affleck script was the best Batman script I've ever read. Ben had a kick-ass story, and I believe the audience and fans would have loved it, uh, which Joe Manganiello replied to with a checkmark. Yep. Um, and this was in response to um, to Bill Ramey from Batman on Film. This was, uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was, boy, the years blend together now since the, uh, <laughs> you know, since the sabotage of Justice League. But I believe this was September 4th of 2019 and uh, 2018. But who knows? We've we've been hearing this stuff from a while for a while now. So you know, Affleck. Long story. Getting back to the original point. He is got a movie coming out, The Way Back, which uh, arrives in theaters on March sixth. It's mm-hmm. um, it's very uh, you know, a very uh, close to his personal story. It's about a uh, 
a high school basketball coach who basically is a, a fall down drunk who blows up his marriage, lands in rehab and has to, to come back basically. So he is, you know, starting to open up now in interviews for this. And he's, he's opened up in this article about among other things, his, his alcoholism, his fight to get sober again, his marriage, um, and, and even touched on some of what went down with, um, you know, with the DC extended universe. And, um, uh, you know, he, and, you know, before I, you know, before I get on with that, he yeah. has come back with a vengeance. Uh, you yeah, know, he's yes. cleaned himself up. He's been to rehab a couple of times now, 2017, again, 2018. In addition to the way back, he's got three other films coming out this year, which, uh, is, is remarkable really when you consider the, uh, you know, you don't often see someone starring in, in four films. Um, yeah. so he's got additionally, uh, he's working on or just finished acting in uh, Deep Water, which is a psychological thriller co-starring mm-hmm. uh, Anna de Armas. Uh, he's going to be on Netflix later this month in um, uh, Mystery, which uh, called The Last Thing He Wanted, which is uh, co-sci or alongside uh, Anne Hathaway, directed by Dee Reese. And then... Um, He's also working, and this is one that really interests me, uh, he's working on a uh, script for something called The Last Duel along yeah. with Matt Damon. I'm really that, into that too. I yeah, I can't wait. That that one's If that one actually comes out in 2020, it's currently slated for uh, December 2020. It's being produced under um, 20th Century, so Disney. Uh, it is tentatively a target, as I say, December 2020, and it's going to be directed by Ridley Scott. It's set in the 14th century. Um, so, you know, you give me a historical epic directed by Sounds Ridley cool, Scott, man. starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and that's uh, that's as good as it gets. That jumps into oh, my yeah. top five or six for the year if uh, if that comes out this year. So, and, and even on top of that, he's uh, he's working on something called King Leopold's Ghost, which is yep. uh, uh, an epic about the uh, the plundering of the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo back in um, I believe is around 1900. So, uh, you know, he's got a ton going on. But um, as I say, getting back to the, 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 the DCU connection, he's opened up a little bit uh, about what caused him to, to leave. And uh, instead of saying that he couldn't crack the script, the story's changed a little bit. So just to give you the full, um, the full quote from this New York Times article, it basically says that uh, he stepped aside, allowing Matt Reeves to take over and Robert Pattinson to don the cowl after deciding that the troubled shoot for Justice League had sapped his interest. Mm-hmm. Affleck never seemed to enjoy his time as Batman. His sullen demeanor while promoting Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice in 2016 <laughs> is also going. Affleck. Of course, you've got to take a shot at Batman Superman, right? I mean, you can't get through an article without taking a shot at Batman v Superman. <laughs> um, then he goes on to say, I showed somebody the Batman script. Affleck recalled, they said, I think the script is good. I also think you'll drink yourself to death if you go through what if you go through what you just went through again. And that's a clear reference to what happened with Justice League. So yeah. uh, so there there we're getting some honesty, right? We're starting to get to the truth of the matter. He had a script that was good. Uh, there was obviously something that was going down behind the scenes, not only with his own script, but with the DC, the larger DCU as a whole. Uh, I mean, the Justice League stuff, you know, I, I, it's it's come to light quite a bit that there was a lot of executive tampering uh, from Toby Emmerich down through Jeff Johns and John Berg and bringing in Joss Whedon, what role Kevin Sujahara played. You know, he's credited with the two-hour uh, runtime mandate. All of that combined basically to sabotage Justice League 
and obviously there is a, a feeling that Ben Affleck would have been subject to that same kind of meddling uh, with his Batman script if it wasn't already in progress. So, um, what are you, what are your thoughts on all that, Christian? What's your takeaway from from this article? There's a lot to break down there, um, and obviously, I would never pretend to know, you know, Ben Affleck or know what he's going through. I have my own emotional and uh, mental issues, but uh, you know, he's had them too, and he's. I'm so happy that he's been much more open about them. I can't help but feel so good for the guy. There's two sides of this. There's Ben as Batman, and then there's Ben as the human being, right? There was the, the, the New York Times article that you referenced after he talked about the way back and talked about what it was about. And it, and it hits so, so close to home, right? A, a, a puffy, willful, fall down drunk who blows up his marriage and lands in rehab. Like, oh, my God. Right. Like you're, you're reading that. And you're like, God, that's that, that's Ben describing something that could have possibly happened in his own life. He goes on to quote, he said, people with compulsive behavior and I am one have a kind of basic discomfort all the time that they're trying to make go away. You're trying to make yourself feel better with eating, drinking, sex, gambling, shopping, whatever. But that ends up making your life worse. Then you do more of it to make that discomfort go away. Then the real pain starts. It becomes a vicious cycle that you can't break, and that's at least what happened to me. So before we get into Batman talk, I just have to say that that's so open and so honest and I, I think I feel for him, especially as a person that's gone through what I've gone through. I think I feel for him more than I did before. Uh, and if stuff was going on behind the scenes, which apparently it was at WB during the time of Justice League and the time of when he was supposed to be making his Batman film, I'm not surprised that that could have contributed to his downfall, if you will, uh, his mental state. It's a horrible God, it's a horrible examination uh, of what could have been going on with him. And I hate it when I hear people are millionaires, they're billionaires, they're famous, they're this. They shouldn't be upset. They shouldn't be depressed. Uh, bullshit. It, it, I don't care how poor, rich, famous, not famous. I don't care how old or young you are. These things can hit you at any time and they could be truly debilitating. It is a disease. What he is suffering from is a disease. And his creativity his he probably puts everything into his work you see it in the town you see it in argo he was a good batman count me as somebody that didn't necessarily think he was going to be a good batman and he was a good batman i was very surprised at the kind of batman he was pleasantly surprised at the kind of batman he turned out to be and i really liked him in the role and i wanted to see him doing more um so i, I you could tell that he put 110% of himself even into that even into the batman character very much like christian bale so from a human perspective, I'm glad he's getting better and I'm glad he's on the mend and I'm glad we're going to get a chance to see more Ben Affleck behind the camera and in front of the camera. So that's that's great. Now we go to number two, Ben Affleck as Batman. Look, apparently at the beginning he was iffy on Batman, but he chose to do it when he read that Frank Miller was going to be this the inspiration for Snyder's take. And then he read Snyder's take and loved it. He liked what was going on. He liked where it was going. It would make sense that his movie would fit into that Snyder-esque universe and be part of that aesthetic. So he probably had the script. Jay Oliva is 100% correct. It was probably kick-ass because most of what he writes seems to be pretty kick-butt lately. 
But then DC Films decided to blow everything up and go in a completely different direction. They've been tampering like crazy. They tampered with Justice League. They tampered with Suicide Squad. And if this guy put 100, 110% of himself into this, was really interested in directing and starring and writing this movie, and then ran into executives that wanted to change into a more Marvel formula, and this is coming from an MCU fan, I don't think they should have done that. It's not surprising to me that that helped to kind of push him off the deep end. Does that make sense? That it helped I, to I'm kind s- of push him. You know, it's. I'll, I'll let you go. It saddens. It saddens me that there's a lot going on when we read what he said. That absolutely puts two and two together, and it, it almost re. It. What's the word I'm looking for? It reinforces the things that we've read about what was going on behind the scenes, and it's not a surprise. Go ahead. With what you were going to say? I interrupted you. Yeah, no, no, sorry, Christian. I was just going to jump in and sort of uh, and sort of further your point. Um, Go for it. I, yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, you know, when you're um, you know when you're dealing with those struggles to begin with, and some of this dates back to 2015, even uh, yeah. back you know back yeah. when he was working on Batman versus Superman, and and he um, you know, and that's not necessarily problems with the studio. That's his own issues with with alcohol and his marriage. Um, he managed to keep himself in shape. But mm-hmm. you, during Batman vs Superman, but you can see um, by the time he was in the Justice League reshoots, he the, the wheels had fallen off, right? He had put on a ton of weight. He was oh, obviously two not different doing well. Ends, man. There's yeah, two different I mean, Ben Afflecks in that. Yeah, definitely. It had, it had clearly taken a toll on him, and he did not want to be there for the reshoots. And and can you imagine? I mean, you look at the universe he signed up for. He's got Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke in a in a script that is. Uh, with a serious take and then you see what joss whedon has been brought in to do to justice league with the 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 lego batman humor the i don't not like you stuff and Mm -hmm. and the smiling and can you can you imagine that kind of humor and the smiling meshing with a serious uh examination on the psychological aspects of the character in arkham asylum with with deathstroke i mean doesn't everything no everything Everything you hear about about what he had for the Batman movie sounds like what every Batman fan would want. It sounds like a Batman fan's dream come true. But if the studio is meddling with him and he's already got all those problems on his plate, I mm-hmm. mean, you can see why why he would have bowed out. Now you can say, oh, see, he wanted out. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. The, the, yeah, yeah, the circumstances forced him to make a decision for his health. Not that he just bowed out. I mean, and again, this is where the tribalism comes in, right? The hardcore DC first fans are like, see, he wanted out. You stop blaming Matt Reeves. Jump on board the Matt Reeves train. Stop blaming Warner Brothers. Get on board with the new DC, right? Not not so much, not right? Not like, so much. <laughs> like he, there was clearly some stuff going on that contributed. And, and I mean, I think we've all probably had stresses and struggles in our life. When, when things aren't going well at work, uh, that that creates stress, right? It it it's not easy to overcome alcoholism and marital problems when you are dealing with an incredible amount of work stress. Uh, and and don't get me wrong, like when I say that you know the Justice League stuff caused you know you can see that's where he finally broke. Even if he was a hundred percent on board with what's not what he and Snyder put together for Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, probably the Ultimate Edition. I mean, the reaction to that had to cause stress, right? Absolutely. All the memes, like even if he loved and was proud of the product he put out, to have everyone shit on it, right? Over and over again, every direction you go. 
And, and, you know, I'm someone in the camp that that is one of my favorite movies of all time, like probably in my top three movies of all time. Mm-hmm. I still to this day don't understand how it got nominated for Razzies, you know, multiple <laughs> Razzies, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was just utterly crapped on. And thank, thankfully, I wasn't on social media at that time. I didn't really get going on social media, you know, until the, the lead up to Justice League, I would say. Somewhere around the time the first trailer dropped for Justice League is when I started mm-hmm. getting – uh, more into YouTube first and then ultimately Twitter. And, and I've sort of joined this aftermath um, of Justice League. That's where I sort of got more invested in in the right. Twitter side of things and advocating right. for the Snyder Cut. So I wasn't there to witness the fallout of BVS. Um, but, I mean, you hear people talk about it uh, as fans, how it how it's impacted them. Can you imagine the poor guy getting crapped on? You know, aside from <laughs> Snyder, obviously. I mean, Snyder gets crapped on the worst. He still gets crapped on to this day. But Affleck was a close second, right? And uh, yeah, and, and which, was, which is strange, too, but... considering. And I apologize for interrupting you. That's strange, considering that so many people said that he was the best part of like of BVS, right? There were so many people that were just saying, "Oh, you know, I hated that movie, but oh, I loved Affleck." But he still. Well, there were a lot of people I read that still shit on him whenever they got the chance. Yes, they so, still crap yeah. on him, and and you know, and then you got your whole Batman doesn't kill crowd, Jesus, you know, like these these idealists, you know. And again, it's a different take on it. You got your Adam West crowd too, right? You got, you got there's a <laughs> yeah. there's a crowd yeah. for everyone, right? But uh, and that's fine. You, yeah, and that's and that's yeah. fine. But um, you could see why that would have caused him stress, and then to see your vision, uh, you know, the vision Snyder's vision being butchered, and knowing you're next in line to have your vision hope and you know hit with the hope and optimism crusade that we've talked about before right mm-hmm. i mean can you imagine of course you'd check out right like he probably fought to a point um you know depending on who you listen to you'll hear that jeff johns was the um you know the one that he was basically battling with over the script um mm-hmm. you know and and who knows i mean we're not in we're not in the room right? you hear a you hear a lot of smoke about Jeff Johns being the main guy to blame. I mean, he was brought in as the president of DC Films with a mandate to to fix things after BVS in May 2016. So, you know, given that mandate, given the uh, the social media narratives, it would not shock me if Johns was the guy. Uh, I mean, he's he's the logical culprit, right? I mean, you've got Berg as well. You've got Emmerich empowering him. I mean, Greg Silverman left um, in December 2016. Uh, was replaced by uh, Toby Emmerich, and that's when things really went to shit. Right? It was after yeah. after yeah. December 2016. So that combination of of Emmerich, Johns, and Berg under Sujihara, and and to be honest, I mean, I think Sujihara probably has the least blame of those four guys, except for probably. maybe the two hour runtime. Um, <laughs> but uh, if that's really his, you know, if it wasn't Emmerich's or Johns or Berg's, who knows, right? I mean, there was obviously pressure on all these guys to make decisions to try to make their franchise popular, like the MCU, and mm-hmm. so they tried to mimic Kevin Feige in the MCU model, and it was an utter disaster. Um, but, you know, can you blame him? Can you blame him for leaving? And and like you like you said, like you started out, it's, you know, number first and foremost, um, you know, it's it's just nice to see that he's got his life back on track. Exactly. And, um, exactly. and that's the main thing. And you know what? Hopefully, uh, if someday he finds a renewed interest in this role, you know, uh, hopefully they'll provide him that opportunity because it sounds like everything he had was what every fan would want to see. And he has a passion for the role. Uh, whether or not his passion has been permanently killed or just temporarily killed, uh, you know, time will tell, mm-hmm. right? Hope, hopefully he'll, more honesty will come out. Hopefully we'll get more about the behind the scenes and hopefully we'll get to see what he had one way or another, either if not through the film, maybe we'll find out more about what his script involved. So, 
Yeah, and I think uh, you know there was there is something to be said too. I think we talked about it in one of our previous uh, ENN episodes as well. Every single time the guy wanted to talk about another project that he was working on, somebody slapped Batman on top of him again. And was like, so what you doing about Batman? You know, and he was uh, you could see every now and then he was like, Jesus Christ, I'm working on this movie right now, and you know, I'm sure you know being part of these these tentpole movies, these franchises, we've heard the stories about what Disney puts through, puts their actors through and how they have, they got to be on the marketing circuit on a consistent basis. They're doing constant PR and we can smile and say, yeah, but you're be you're famous and you get millions of dollars. Yeah. But after a while, they, like Chris Evans has come out and been like, I just want to direct now. I just want to produce it, it. It's almost like he's borderline burned out from, from playing that role and for just being on quote unquote all the time. So I think there's something to be said about that as well is, you know, he's not just Ben Affleck, the actor, producer, whatever. He's Ben Affleck, Batman, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And, well, I mean, they're human, right? The stress, they're, yeah. they're human beings. The stress will, the stress will get to anyone, right? Especially when you're, like you say, you're so high profile, you're always forced to be on. And, and, you know, that's, you brought up a good point that I didn't really even touch on was that, uh, Live by Night flopped during that time as well, right? Flopped. And yeah. Completely flopped. Completely flopped. Lost the studio a lot of money. I'm sure he felt some he responsibility. Was so upset. Apparently, it, it, if you read about it, and I didn't mean to cut you off, he nope. he was apparently really upset about that. Yeah, so, I mean that was a yeah. passion project of his, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's the specific example where he's trying to promote that film, and all anyone wants to talk about is his Batman film, right? Yep. So. Yep. Um, Which and of could course, have been getting how, torpedoed behind the scenes during that it, time. Exactly. While he's yeah. trying to and and you know even going back to the promotion for Justice League, I see a lot of people holding up. Well, Affleck said he was still Batman. Well, you know what? Nah. I'm, sure, I'm sure he knew by that point he was out. Yeah. And and he was just telling what saying what the studio said so that it didn't impact Justice League ticket sales. I mean, yeah. studio knew sense. they had a bomb on their hands and they were just trying to. I mean, they were trying to tell people it was still Snyder's movie. They were trying to tell people Batman was still – or Affleck was still Batman. They just wanted our tickets on opening weekend and before they basically said, oops, sorry. You know, yep. like um, – <laughs> you know, it was incredibly dishonest by the studio. I mean they knew what they'd done and they still sold this as a Snyder movie and they weren't being honest with what was going on with Batman. It's just – it was really uh, – you know, disgusting behavior by the studio, and thankfully they're all gone, with the exception of of uh, Toby Emmerich. You know, yeah. So yeah. that's, I guess, the one saving grace is that uh, they brought in a new regime. Hopefully, it's a a less toxic environment. Um, you know, for for people to work in. Hopefully, they're getting back to that director-driven mandate. Although, you know, there's always going to be some amount of producer sure. interference, especially with sure. a big tentpole property where you've got to worry about things like toys and. Mm-hmm you know, impact to the brand and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. And hopefully Ben is on his way back. Like you said, that's what's important. Yeah. Too. It'll be interesting to see how some of these projects go. None of them screams huge moneymaker, but, no, uh, but you know, hopefully he'll get, yes, hopefully good for him. Hopefully he'll get some satisfaction, uh, from what he's doing and hopefully these things, I mean, they also don't have huge budgets, at least from, from what I've seen for most of these. Exactly. So, yeah. So hopefully there won't be the same pressure and he can get back to doing what uh, what he enjoys. And who knows? Hopefully maybe, you know, I'd love to see him again in future. There's a short window. I mean, he's not a young guy anymore. No. If he is going to reprise this role, uh, you know, if he has a change of heart and wants to come back, that window's not going to be open forever. Nope. But uh, who knows? There's still a limited amount of time where, you know, he can hold out that little sliver of hope, although I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on it. Yep. Although I guess, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman played Wolverine until 50. So there's nothing. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Be the right, the right chemical cocktail at, uh, at, at the lifestyle, lifestyle to, uh, 
to go with it. And uh, who knows? Miracles can happen, right? <laughs> well, shifting gears a little bit from uh, moving away from the DCEU, and, and we've, we've gone over that a bunch of times now. We've gone over a couple of episodes. There's been a lot to talk about with the DCEU and with WB. So, uh, you know, I'm glad we continue to do it. Hopefully now we can talk about something that is supposed to be a little bit more fun. Sonic the Hedgehog apparently <laughs> defied all expectations this weekend with a record-breaking performance uh, at the box office. Now, Jeff Fowler, he's, dude, he's on cloud nine at the moment. Uh, he and, and I don't know. I mean, this is his feature directorial debut, if I'm not mistaken. So I can't really blame him. You know, he's having a lot of fun with the blue blur. And he's been all over Twitter. He's going crazy. So naturally, everybody involved in the film was completely thrilled. And uh, Sonic's box office continues to go up. Uh, before I give you the numbers, Jeff Fowler did put on Twitter just before. He said, there's one word in my head this morning, and it's gratitude. Thank you to all the amazing people that helped to make Sonic movie the most. And most importantly, thank you to the fans for sticking with us and delivering an extraordinary record-breaking weekend. Much love to all of you. So the box office numbers, it made uh, $58 million in its first three days, but it was a President's Day weekend here in the United States, so that's $70 million in four days. Uh, that gives it the fourth best opening over that holiday weekend of all time. And then if you get an A grade from CinemaScore, a 94% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie, by all intents and purposes, is a success. But it had an interesting path to the big screen. The three of us, you, me, and Lupe, talked about this character got a major redesign not too long ago. When the first design came out, I'm going to tell you right now, I was one of the people that thought it looked like garbage. I hated the first design when it first came out. Um, and I was campaigning, not actively online, but I was talking to other people. And it was just like, look, I really think I'm, I'm hearing they're going to go back for a redesign. And I think that's the right move. And then the redesign came out. And I thought it looked a hell of a lot better. It looked much more like the comic, uh, the uh, video game character counterpart. And I really liked the way it looked. And now the reviews have come in and everybody else likes it too. So the fear was that we would force the studio to make the change. Nobody would go see the movie and then everybody would be pissed off and say, see, we told you you're going off and making the studio make this change. And then nobody watches the movie. But lo and behold, it makes a ton of money over the President's Day weekend. So I wanted to hear what you're – now, I haven't gotten to see the movie yet. My wife and I intend to see it because it looks funny. So I'm hoping we get a chance to see it. You have children. You have a girl. You have a little girl. So you guys may go to see it. So I was wondering what you thought about the reception that this got, the money that it made. And do you think this was the right call, man, going back and changing the design and, quote, unquote, caving to the fans? Because apparently it looks like it was the right call. What do you think? Okay, I'm, I'm going to own this uh... – I would own, <laughs> own my take. If you go back through our episode history, and I don't remember which episode it was, we reviewed the Sonic uh, trailer, I believe. And uh, and I was on record saying that this was going to flop hard and that all the people that demanded the Sonic uh, redo had no intention of seeing the film in the first place. Um, I was not a Sonic fan. I, I am baffled by the number of people that are apparently Sonic fans, and I, uh, I stand corrected. So... Um, so if that is uh, any evidence of the quality of my opinions, uh, you know, <laughs> you know what you could do with my opinions on other topics. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so toxic. I, I was completely, yeah, I was completely wrong. Um, I'm stunned, honestly. Uh, now that being said, um, I had no, I have no real love for this character. I was, you know, I haven't played video games uh in years uh with the exception of madden right i was uh, i played football video games even going back to my childhood i didn't really care about any games except football and hockey uh video and baseball on you know on uh 
God, what was the old system I had? You know, after the Nintendo, uh, there was a Super Nintendo and then a Sega, Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis, I guess, is what I had. Sega yeah, Genesis. Then, yep. And I believe I even had an Xbox for a little while, and then and then eventually I got a PS3 only to play Madden, and I never owned anything but Madden every year. So, so I just had no love for the Sonic character. Turns mm-hmm. out my wife actually uh, loved uh, Sonic back in the old in the old Sega Genesis. That was a game that she had a real um the feeling of nostalgia for right um, so so you know i went out and when i saw those you know those classic uh sega game like 40 games in one for the ps3 i went out and bought that and my daughter started playing sega with her uh sorry sonic with her i should say and then you have since you know bought another sonic game for them to play a more updated version um so so this was actually something that my daughter wants to see this is my long way of getting to that point. Uh, we didn't have a chance to get out to see it this weekend but it's it's a possibility we'll actually hit this one in the theaters and from what I've heard I spoke to a couple of colleagues at work um that both loved it. They went in with low to moderate expectations. Uh they said it was really entertaining that Jim Carrey did a great job and that they uh they really enjoyed the film. So hey, uh surprising but it's getting good word of mouth and there was a surprising initial uptake for it so i guess i guess one i underestimated the property and two i guess the people demanding a redo of the character uh redesign of the character did intend to back it up with their wallets and and showed up so hey good for sonic yeah i mean you know you raise a good point that that's that i think is the biggest thing one of the biggest fights i saw online was that you know you you bastards you all asked for this redesign and none of you are going to go see this movie it's going to tank and then here we go again and you got the director's vision the creator's vision and the going on and then they quote unquote caved and they made the change and the character looks better i don't know what else to say it's almost universally people say the character looks better i've even seen people online say i am angry with what they did but yes the character looks better i've even seen that where people have just been like you know i'm disappointed in in going back to what the fans wanted but the character does look better but eh, look what happened it goes off and makes that much money and video game movies by the way are tough they're tough and this, I think, ranks up with Detective Pikachu in terms of money, so it looks like it's doing well there. The recent Tomb Raider movie made a decent amount of money. That movie's getting a sequel. Maybe there is something to be said about these more CGI-driven, kind of fun family adventures with maybe getting a mix of action adventures mix, you know, thrown into the mix there as well. And maybe that's the way forward for some of these video game movies because they've had a really bad history in, in, in theaters. They really have. What were you going to say? Well, you know, I was just going to say that, um, you know, despite the fact that they are, you know, there's always this narrative that we've never had a good video game movie. There's been a number that I've enjoyed. I mean, oh, I like enjoyable ones. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've liked. Um, oh, God, the name's skipping my mind. Assassin's Creed. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I think we've talked about that before movie. with Lupe. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was quite good. I mean, I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not someone that's very familiar with the game itself. But that's my kind of subject matter, and I I thought the movie was good. I like Michael Fassbender. I thought it was good, you know. And and um, I was on Disney Plus the other night, uh, just a couple nights ago, and I noticed The Prince of Persia with Jake Gyllenhaal was there. Now I have not mm-hmm. watched that recently, but I remember liking that. Yeah, you I should. Yeah, I remember enjoying that movie back when I watched it. I mean, I didn't think mm-hmm. it was life changing, but very much along the lines <laughs> of uh, you know Pirates of the Caribbean and mm-hmm. and fitting fitting. 
and I believe it was a Jerry Bruckheimer film as well. Uh, it, it just yeah. it fits in with that style of film. And if you like that style of film, I don't know why you wouldn't like that one. So, so maybe financially they've never had one blow the doors off. But I, I mean, I like the new Tomb Raiders. The old Tomb Raiders were successful with Angelina Jolie, right? We got what three yeah. of them, or didn't we? So I think we got two. We got two of them. Was it only two? Okay, maybe yeah. it's two, right? So. So, I mean, this narrative that we've never had a good video game movie, um, I mean, define good, because I think there's been plenty that have been pretty decent. I mean, certainly entertaining, and um, obviously a few that have been financially successful enough to get a sequel. So, you know, I, I think it's an old narrative um, that is maybe not accurate or is, um, you know, in the eye of the, the person perceiving the films, right? But, mm. you know... Uh, as I say, good for Sonic. blew blew away my expectations, yeah. and uh, and I may be I may be part of the crowd checking it out. Uh, you know, it, it's probably going to be this weekend or not at all because Onward comes out the weekend after, and yeah, um, and, yeah I know. and once Onward comes yeah. out, that's I'm going to want to see that, and then we've got uh, Bloodshot coming out shortly thereafter, and there's something else coming out in that time it, frame. So it kind of goes bang, bang, bang down the line, and I'm with you. I th- and I think this is going to be the weekend where I'm going to do it, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to, uh, but it. It's interesting. I did not expect it to make that much. I didn't expect it to flop. I didn't expect it to make the kind of money that it did. Uh, and it looks like it's, it's going to do pretty well. It's going to make all its money back and then some. So yeah. could you yeah. be staring at a Sonic sequel? That's <laughs> the question. Wow. Yeah, well, why not, right? I mean, I, I think it's almost a, you'd think it's almost a certainty after this, right? <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, and, it, and it goes off and beats birds of prey. Anywho. Uh, was I not supposed to mention that? Sorry. No, you know what? Hey, you know what? After after an hour and twenty minutes of us talking about Birds of Prey without having seen the film last week, I, I don't think we need to go there. But uh, yeah, no reason you know, to. That's... Uh, I feel bad for Birds of Prey, but hey, you know what? Uh, There's no point. Uh, no point beating that one to death anymore, right? No, absolutely not. But. A big uh, congratulations uh, to Fowler and to his entire team. They took a risk. They did what they needed to do. They made the changes. They listened to the fans. There's been an argument online. At the moment, doesn't seem to matter. They got an A-plus on CinemaScore. They're doing really well on Rotten Tomatoes with the aggregates. They're making money. That's really all that matters, and everybody seems to be happy with this movie. And uh, I've seen a lot of adults coming back on Twitter and on Instagram saying how much they enjoyed it with their children. And at the end of the day, I think that's really all that matters. So congratulations to that whole team. I'm going to see it. You're going to see it. Yep, we're just part of the we're, – that's it. <laughs> we're, we're part of the wheel that keeps turning. So um, shifting gears, one more little bit of movie tidbit talk uh, to speak about this week before we move on to our coming attractions is the 78-year-old Harrison Ford giving an interview to CBS, I believe, and where he spoke a little bit about Indiana Jones Part 5. Now, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, by many people, I think are regarded as a step backwards from the original trilogy. I still enjoyed it. I still found it I, to be a... I got a, I got a hot take coming up for you, Christian. <laughs> I want to hear it. I do want to hear it. That's why you're exiled. Remember that. You're exiled for a reason. I, uh, I did enjoy it. I did believe it to be a step back from the others, but I had no hate for that movie. And like Star Wars, my mother was a huge fan of that series as well probably because she had a huge crush on harrison ford and uh i i went to the theaters with her to go see that movie so it's another one of those pleasant memories with my mother he gave harrison ford said in his interview in a quote that he he expects the movie to start filming in the next two months indiana jones part five with 
Steven Spielberg attached to it. And in returning to the movie, he said, I'm trying not to look too silly, quote unquote, running around in tight pants, high boots. I'll give you a more appropriate answer considering I'm about to start doing Indiana Jones in about two months. I'm delighted to come back to these characters. Remember that quote for a second. He said, when we have the opportunity to make another, it's because people have enjoyed them. I feel obliged to make sure that our efforts are as ambitious as they were when we started. You have a sense of responsibility to your customers. And quote. I think the word delighted to come back to these characters, though those words are very important. As Star Wars fans, you and I know he's had this love-hate relationship with Han Solo. They got him back for Rise of Skywalker. Apparently, he said for two reasons. J.J. Abrams was very persuasive. That was number one. And number two, he wanted to further Kylo Ren's story. He really felt that uh, the death of his character in episode seven was important, and he wanted to further his story a little bit. In a final quote, he also said... I'm not going to share the Indiana Jones 5 story with you. That doesn't seem like a good idea, but we'll see new developments in his life, his relationship. We'll see part of his history resolved, end quote. So I ask you two questions. Are you excited about Indiana Jones 5 getting ready to start up in two months with Harrison Ford, with Steven Spielberg and Lucasfilm all attached to number two? What do you think the reveal is going to be about his history, his relationship, his love? What do you think all that's about? Okay, so number one, absolutely. Uh, I now this, you know, I, I'm in that time, uh, you know, in that age where I grew up with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Those were uh, those, along with Tron, were were my things as a kid, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I'm very much looking forward to another one. Now, here's here's my hot take. I did not like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull when it first came out. I mm-hmm. had a lot of issues with that film, um, and it felt like a big drop off from the original trilogy. I've recently rewatched the original trilogy and kingdom of the crystal skull with my daughter mm-hmm. kingdom of the crystal skull is not much different from the original trilogy. And I would oh. say it's a, it's a far better movie than temple of doom. Temple of doom is clearly Whoa. the worst in my mind. Whoa. It's clearly the worst of the, of the Indiana Jones movies. Number one for me, Raiders of the lost Ark. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and then I thought uh, Last Crusade was a step up from Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom leaned more into the camp and the comedy. Um, and shock treatment, too. You know, like shock, shock. camp, yeah. comedy. And, and the depiction of female characters is, is really off-putting. It did not age well. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it did. So, so the Temple of Doom really aged poorly. And, and when I look at what I criticized Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for, namely uh, Sheila Booth swinging from the vines and catching up to a moving Jeep, uh, <laughs> that scene wasn't as long or as painful as I remember. Now, it still needs to go. It should have never been there. But as a whole, I actually enjoyed this movie quite a bit. And I would put it on par with Last Crusade, uh, wow. more, so, more so than wow. – uh, yeah, it's it's not that bad. I think people had an expectation that it was going to be an improve, like a an evolution, maybe of the original trilogy, because mm-hmm. you know filmmaking it has come a ways, right, since the original trilogy came out, and and when you watch it now, it's it's just very much like the original trilogy, which maybe didn't fit so much at that time. I have a feeling it would be reviewed a little more kindly if if people watched it now and uh, and I would recommend go back rewatch it i mean if you if you if you like the original trilogy and didn't like this one initially go back and rewatch this give it a second chance there's some things that'll bother you i mean i remember at the time thinking harrison ford's was so old that it didn't look like he could hold his pants up anymore, right? They, looked like they were falling off him. Um, I'm so happy you and, said that. Yeah, and, and now he looks young compared to what you see in what you see in the Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah. So, so it's going to be interesting. But, 
but I think there was actually a lot of potential. And leading into point number two, I'm not sure what the reveal is going to be, but I want to see a continuation, a true continuation of Kingdom and the Crystal Skull. I want to see Sheila Booth back uh, as Mutt, uh, Indiana Jones's son. I want to see Marion back. I want to see those characters back. So, so I don't know what the what the surprise is going to be. But mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's 78. You got to transition. And I think Sheila Booth is a good actor. Uh, and I think they can work with him in that role. As if you're going to transition it to someone, I mean, clearly, I think the intent from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was to set up Sheila Booth as yeah. that heir. Um, and and I hope they continue with that because I think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull um, got a lot of unfair backlash. Uh, it's a little bit like Star Wars in the sense that people have romanticized what the original films were, and then when you get more of the same, you're like, oh, this is terrible. This isn't nearly as good as the original stuff. When really, it's probably a little more like the original stuff than you would care to admit. Um, so that's that's my thoughts on it. Uh, maybe you've got more to say about the potential reveal, but. I'm very much excited for this project. I love the Indiana Jones franchise. I want to see more of this story continued. I don't want to see a reboot, and that window is closing. So let's let's get it out there. Let's get it done, <laughs> uh, hopefully well, uh, as soon as possible. So so what do you think, Christian? What what are your thoughts on this one? You know, I'm with you. I don't I don't think I want to see a reboot. I I think I either want to see it end and it's over. So this is the final Indiana Jones, and it's done, and we get a nice definitive ending for the character, or there's some sort of continuation. I Definitely, I'm not as high on Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls as it seems like you are, um, and and I'm I have a love hate relationship with LaBeouf. I, I do. Sometimes I really like him, and other times I want to punch him in the face. Let, let me just clarify: high is relative to my initial, oh, okay, to my initial impression of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So this is not the pinnacle of filmmaking, but it is much better than I initially gave it credit for, and far more tonally consistent with the original trilogy than I cared to admit at the time I first saw it. So go on, Christian. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Just wanted to clarify that point. No, you didn't interrupt at all. I, I, I the, you know what? I got to admit, I agree with you on that point. Like uh, a lot of people were, you know, they bitched and moaned about like the fire ants and everything. I'm like, really, really? We had rats in Last Crusade. Yeah, <laughs> you had all the snakes and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you had an unbelievable amount of bugs that were confined to only one room in Temple of Doom, and for some reason never exited that room, uh, and they just lived in there. So, uh, you well, know, I, I don't want to hear any. Go ahead. Well, I was just sorry because I was just going to th- add to that point that, and there's always some some comedic nonsense surrounding always. a car chase, right? Like, and, and it was more of the same, right? And and I think at that point in my life, it bothered me more than it did when I was a kid watching the original trilogy. But when you look at them side by side, they're not that different. If you're going to criticize no. one, go criticize the others. And I said the same thing about Rise of Skywalker. You're going to criticize it for some of its fault. Go back and criticize some of those same faults in the original trilogy. You know, so anyway, and go on, carry on. <laughs> And I've always felt the same way, too, about Last Jedi, the criticisms about Last Jedi. There's a lot of people that they criticize it for stuff that the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy did. This stuff happens in movies all the time. It's how we – it's because movies are so subjective. All of us feel different things. But I also saw some criticism about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where they were saying, well, why did it have to be aliens? We had religious artifacts. Yeah, but in the second one, it was just pure magic. I mean, they basically had no explanation in Temple of Doom except for that the stones are magic. They had magic crystals in them. So, it, it, you know, I think that this was a nice evolution of the series. I would, I definitely agree with you there. I, I don't know if I want to see Shia as the young Indiana Jones moving forward, but where I do 100% agree with you is Marion is a fantastic character. I want to see her come back. I want to see that continuity. Much should come back. He's an important part. He's his freaking son. He should come back in this movie. So I think well, you he can't should be ignore a part him, of it, right? You no, can't, you can't. Just ignore him. Yeah. You can't just ignore him. Now, as for what isn't resolved, I mean, is is a guy like Short Round gonna 
could have suddenly no, come that, back. No, that, that I do not want. <laughs> I don't want that kind of cheesy, stereotypical, comedic character played for the kids. No, 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 no. That's what I don't want. <laughs> and that was one of the major failings of Temple of Doom for me. I don't want that kind of like. I mean, it was the, the worst characterization was the the female lead in Temple of Doom. That was painful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to stay far away from what they brought us with Temple of Doom and get back to what we loved about the original trilogy. And like many, I mean, the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was was the best. And as it's budgets get bigger and expectations yeah. get bigger, things tend to try and outdo the last one and then get ridiculous and carried away. Get back to what makes this story uh, great. And it's the archaeological adventure. Mm-hmm. And and to your point about the, the the aliens, I heard that criticism too. But this is based on real myth i mean i'm not yeah, saying that these are truly myth. from yeah. aliens but these crystal skulls are are real mysteries um and and you know the the peruvian mummies and all this sort of stuff this is all stuff that conspiracy theorists out there i mean you can go turn on history channel or and, yeah. and there's documentaries on this stuff go so watch ancient aliens man yeah go watch go watch ancient aliens the the guy with the hair right i mean <laughs> yeah, everything's aliens but but the point is this this is the kind of movie i like where you take uh a myth that's grounded in some reality and, and extrapolate and say, what if this was real? And then turn that into an archeological adventure that, so they were, they were on the right track with the crystal skulls and, and um, you know, and the, the, the setting in Peru uh, that that's what I want to see more of. Now I don't want to see more crystal skulls, but no. give me another uh, archeological myth that, that is, based in enough reality that people seriously believe it and have searched for it. Like if, if you could make a documentary about someone that devoted their life to finding this mystery, mm-hmm. that's a good story for a movie. Take that and say, what if this were real? And, yeah. and put that out there with Indiana Jones, you know, and, you know and, and that's what I'm hoping for. I agree with you. And you know what, before I kick it to you to do the, to start off the coming soon, I will say one of the things that really worked about the last crusade was the chemistry between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery and that father son relationship that they had and maybe that's the way to go for the next movie you had a little bit of that in kingdom of the crystal skull but you didn't have a ton of that because we all pretty much assumed he was his kid but it wasn't revealed until later in the movie if they had something like that where you know harrison we're not harrison ford where indiana jones in a sense was starting to pull back a little bit and mutt's doing his thing and you got to bring him back into it i think that they could have a lot of fun with that while still keeping it semi-grounded because the fun of indiana jones has always been this could happen right like you just said they're going after theories myths religious artifacts, things like that, that could potentially happen. And they're having a blast doing it with wonderful special effects, crazy stunts and characters that you and I just fall in love with that we love. So I, I, I would, I think I would like to see that dynamic between him and his son mirroring what we saw in last crusade. That's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, last point I, you know, as always, I hope they don't lean into the comedy. A little bit of comedy fits the Indiana Jones franchise. Uh, I think it does. Yeah. Just, just yeah. give me, give me Raiders of the Lost Ark comedy more so than Temple of Doom comedy. So lean back towards what we had in the original Raiders of the Lost Ark, and there was comedy there. But it's what I like about the comedy in the Indiana Jones movies is the the dry wit um, from Indiana Jones, and that's uh, that's more what I like mm-hmm. rather than the the physical comedy. Like, I don't want to see, um, you know, the, the, the typical image that pops into my head is someone doing the splits between two moving vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want, I don't need more of that. I like Indiana Jones's sarcasm and wit, uh, dry sense of humor, not so much the, uh, the slapstick sort of body comedy, right? 
which is why I like the play between him and his father in Last Crusade. I thought the comedy in that movie worked really well. Um, I didn't think that who's the leader of the, the head of the museum, um, Marcus Brody. I, I think yep. his comedy was a little more slapstick, and I get it. He's a little bit of a more, and he was not a comic relief character in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but he became one in Last Crusade. But the comedy between father and son was quite good. I felt, and if they could emulate that, I think that would make it worthwhile. It's it's yeah. a fine line for me with comedy. Less is more. Air on the side of less, and and you'll get a better yeah. movie. Lean lean more into the archaeological mystery and less into the comedy, and I mm-hmm. think you know we'll get a winner. Am I optimistic that'll be the case? Not so much. That's not the way the movie industry is going these days. But hey, <laughs> you can always hold out some hope, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so with that, um, I think that leads us into our coming soon section. Yes, sir. Uh, we've got three. We've got three trailers we're looking at tonight. We've got the Green Knight uh, from A24, which is something that I had not heard of until today. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm glad it was glad, I'm glad you brought it to my attention. We've got the Stranger Things season four. They're calling it a trailer, but it's really more of a teaser at best. And then we've got yeah. the Castlevania season three trailer. So I will start us off with the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the official teaser trailer, a minute and 39 seconds. Uh, this came out on uh, on Thursday the 13th. Again, from A24, this is going to be released in the summer of 2020, directed by David Lowry. Uh, cast Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, and Joel Egerton. And the synopsis is um, that it describes how Sir Gawain, a knight of King Arthur's Round Table, accepts a challenge from a mysterious green knight who dares any knight to strike him with his axe if he will take a return blow in a year and a day. Gawain accepts and beheads him with his blow, at which the green knight stands up, picks up his head, and reminds Gawain of the appointed time. In his struggles to keep his bargain, Gawain demonstrates chivalry and loyalty until his honor is called into question by a test involving Lady Bertilac, the Lady of the Green Knight's Castle. So that's that's the tale. Now, whether or not that's the so that's I should have clarified that that's the the tale of uh, of the Green Knight. Now, how how that's going to be adapted, I'm not sure. <laughs> there's not there's not much of a synopsis provided on the um, on the teaser trailer, but. Um, from what I, you know, from what I can see from the trailer, uh, there, there's obviously a, a green knight. Uh, it looks, you know, it, it, uh, it looks like it's along those same lines. Um, I looked a little bit into David Lowry, who I've not heard of. He's the director. Um, you'll recognize him from some things like uh, Pete's Dragon, which was uh, a fairly well-reviewed Disney film, I believe, that um, didn't make so much at the box office. I saw it, took my daughter. I thought it was decent. Um, you know, didn't love it, but pretty good. Some mm-hmm. of the other stuff I've not seen. A ghost story. I don't know if you've seen. Yes. Uh, you have seen it? Okay. Yes. Yep. And did you like it? Yes. I actually liked that and Old Man and the Gun as well, which is with uh, Robert Redford, Casey Affleck, I think Danny Glover, uh, uh, Sissy Spacek is in it. It's a really good movie. I, I would recommend you watch it and because I, I, I think you would like it. It's a it's about Forrest Tucker, who's a career criminal and a prison escape artist. Very good. Yeah. So I, I think you would like the movie. I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah. So so that's, you know, Ghost Story and Old Man the Gun. I'll uh, I'll have to uh, add them to my watch list and hope I can squeeze <laughs> them in somewhere. And I thought it was interesting to see that he is actually, according to IDM, IMDb, um, attached to direct the Peter Pan film, which is going to be yes, a Disney live action remake. So, yeah. so that was news to me. So, um, 
Yeah, so he he has a little more of a filmography um, and a lot of editing credits and a lot of writing credits um, mm-hmm. than I would have expected for someone that I had not previously heard of. So so with that said, what what are your thoughts on on this trailer? Did you like what you saw, Christian? And what uh, what do you what do you think about it? A bit haunting. I was surprised. I was looking forward to this trailer only because of some of the other members of the Exiles not too long ago that have been telling me about it and said, wait for it, wait for it. This is something you want. Now, A24 is a studio. I don't know if you realize, but they've got they've pumped out some serious movies, man. Uh, Lupe, you know, this is sometimes this is one of those areas where we need Lupe. Um, But X Machina, Moonlight, Amy, Lady Bird. Bro, there's been a bunch of movies that this studio has pumped out. So this studio, this studio is no stranger to some pretty heavy hitters. Uh, it's no stranger to awards, whether it's the Golden Globes, the Academy Awards, or or many of the others, the the awards programs out there. So this is definitely not a studio that's a stranger to that kind of stuff. They they pump out a bunch of these good movies. So uh, this movie was a little under the radar for me, as I said, until some people pointed it out. So I was patiently waiting for the trailer. Haunting is the word I could say, and it surprised me a little bit because. It seemed like it was definitely going to be something dark. It was definitely going to be something that looked like it was more like medieval kind of political. And then all of a sudden you were slapped in the face with some supernatural elements. Later in the trailer, uh, you see his head engulfed in flames. He's laying in a forest, tied up, gagged. You know, next to a skeleton, a ghostly hand is popping up from the side of a mountaintop uh, through the mist while he while he's uh, in his travels. So and it's got a great cast. Alicia Vikander is a fantastic actress. Uh, Joel Edgerton has really grown on me in recent years. So I was pleasantly surprised by this. I want to see a little bit more. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm desperately waiting until May 29th when it hits theaters, but this looks really good. I want, and, and again, I end it by saying it intrigued me. I want to see a little bit more. Give me a little more. So I want to read a little bit more about it. I hope we get one more trailer, but what we saw so far has now put this movie on my radar screen, which before it wasn't necessarily on my radar. Yeah, very, very similar um, experience to me. I, I had no idea what this was. I'm not familiar with The Legend of the Green Knight. Uh, it's been years since, um, you know, since I was a kid and my dad read the, uh, the, the, the stories of King Arthur to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this, I, I'm not, and I'm not even sure if this is, you know, um, related to the main story or if this is some kind of offshoot. But um, this looks good to me. This uh, now is this something I would see in theater, like you say. Mm-hmm. Um, Time will tell. It, typically, will tell. this is the kind of yeah. thing that I would watch on streaming, uh, but it looks good to me. It looks serious. It looks um, – I like these kind of legends uh, brought to life. I like the serious mm-hmm. tone. I like the dark tone. Um, so this this is my kind of thing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more. It's um, definitely opened my eyes and, and made me interested, and that's you know the purpose of a, tra- of a teaser trailer, right? So, yeah. so mission, mission accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It did. It was it was intriguing. It was it was and it was a little frightening too. There were parts of it that were scary. Uh, the monster looked good for the little bit that we got to see. Uh, and, and again, it the, the word I continue to go back to is intriguing. They they people told me about it. They told me to keep an eye on it. I did. It came out. I'm intrigued. It's exactly like you said. That's exactly what you yeah. need to do. Yeah. Mission accomplished, and uh, and we'll we'll wait for the next one. <laughs> so. Moving on from something that's coming out in theaters, we're going to end it on two things that are coming out on Netflix, uh, going back to all of our conversations about how streaming seems to be taking over the world. So one has become a pop culture explosive, I don't even know what you want to call it, Stranger Things. Season four finally got a quick 55-second, one-minute teaser trailer. Now, season four is, in my opinion, an interesting spot because season three 
was met with a pretty divisive, I think, by the fans, a pretty divisive reception. A lot of people felt that it was, A, more of the same. That was A. B, it leaned too much into Hopper. And and he was he you know, he was a comedy relief character. He was also a hero. Uh, And and the other thing that a lot of people said that they had a bit of an issue with was the fact that it reminded you all the time of the nostalgia, reminded you of the time period that was in. It was always trying to remind you of the 80s. It was was constantly dipping into that. So it almost became a victim of its own success. We kind of felt that after season one, Stranger Things was going to explode. It did into season two. And then between season two and season three, it, it in many ways did things that a lot of the fans were like, oh, come on, man, it's just too much. It's more of the same. Now, the Upside Down world, the Mind Flayer, there were a lot of other things that happened in season three that were absolutely interesting. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert right now, at the end of season three, Hopper dies, and he dies defending everyone else and closing the rift in the underground Russian base that closes the portal between our world and the gate to the upside down world as well. Killed the Mind Flayer, well, at least we think killed the Mind Flayer and the connection to the Mind Flayer here into our world and also destroyed Hopper in the process. Now we get this brief trailer. It's all in Russian. It looks like it's at some Russian camp in the winter. People are doing hard labor. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, Hopper is alive. And it ends basically on him taking off his hood, and you see his face. And that's it. So they're getting one of their big reveals out of the way already. And maybe they feel that that's the way to get people into season four, is saying Hopper's alive. But of course, you they're probably going to save one of the other major reveals for later in the season. So I ask you, number one, do you care about this? Are you excited about season four? Number two, what do you think about this reveal? Do you think it's time for Stranger Things to take a break? What do you think, man? All right. So I'm excited for season four. I'm not excited by this trailer. Um, I mean, they really don't show you much. They just show you that he's alive in Russia. I And, and I'm excited for season four because season one and two built up so much equity with me. Oh, I yeah. did not like season three. I love season one and two. Season three, I... You know, listening to you recap season three, I don't even remember season three, and I'm pretty sure I finished it. <laughs> but it, I thought it sucked. I mean, for all, a lot of the reasons you stated, they just leaned too much into the 80s, too much into the banter between the kids. Like, mm-hmm. it, it almost felt like a sitcom to me uh, at some points. Like, I just, it, I, I cared about the demigorgons and the, and the upside down, and I don't remember getting much of that. Or if we did get it, it was more superficial and less interesting in season three than what we'd gotten in the first two seasons. So season three did not work for me. Um, you know, and I, you know, in fairness, I was probably reading or playing on my phone while watching the second half of that season (laughs) because I just, I tuned out halfway through, um, my wife, you know, that's one of the shows that my wife and I can watch together. So I'm sure we made it through all the episodes. Just, you know, what, how much was I paying attention by the end? And obviously not very much because I don't remember any of that. I didn't even know Hopper was dead. So um, that tells you something because this, <laughs> this was a series where I thoroughly enjoyed season one and two. Um, so uh, it didn't kill the series for me, but it was a huge warning sign. And season three of Stranger Things gave me Walking Dead uh, feelings like the way yeah. I love season one of Walking Dead, and then the franchise just went down the crapper. Um, I sure felt that's the where this was going in season three. But two good season, two great seasons, one bad season. I'm going to give season four a chance. Um, this teaser did nothing to move the needle for me, positive or negative. What did What did you think? Yeah, I'm with you. The teaser didn't necessarily do anything except give me a very brief aha moment when Hopper is alive. Uh, I don't necessarily think that 
I didn't know if they were going to stick with his character being dead or not at the end of season three. It, it, you know, you never know what these shows are going to do. And I highly doubt that this is their only reveal for the season. I really don't. But I'm with you. I'm I'm a newbie when it comes to Stranger Things. I actually caught up with the seasons after I watched season three with my wife. And going backwards, one and two are better. There's not much more that I can say. There's a lot going on in season three that's kind of like funky. All right, Eleven and Mike, they make out all the time. Dustin has a girlfriend. Uh, the upbeat summer setting is kind of a welcome change. Uh, you know, Billy, okay, he gets his mind completely destroyed by the Mind Flayer. And we get the Mind Flayer now. A piece of him is in our world, and that is scary. That is frightening. Uh, and I thought the creatures, the little bit of the creatures that we got in this season were scary. They were good. But exactly what you said a couple minutes ago, it felt like it was so far removed from the lore that was built up in season one and two and everything that they built up there. And they really just tried to up the nostalgia factor and really just say we're going to dive into everything that we thought made the show good. But it wasn't the stuff that actually made the show good. You know what I mean? There's a difference. between Exactly. So It, it sounds like the marketing department told them what works. And they doubled down on that, and the marketing department, as usual, is wrong. When you get the marketing yeah. team in there, getting their customer feedback, and and passing that on to the creatives, it it never, it almost always fails, right? I mean, Sonic exactly. was our Sonic was our one example where it worked, <laughs> but you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you got Justice League, right? So, uh, you know, where where it's just probably one of the most Ouch. colossal, yeah, uh, colossal fails of all time, where where feedback has been customer feedback has been taken and uh, used to butcher uh, a piece of art. Right. Um, This to me, season three felt like more of a fail as well. And there's a little tease at the end of season three. I think in the final, they go to the far eastern end of, at the time, would have been the Soviet Union. It would have been the USSR. So the guards are feeding a prisoner to an imprisoned uh, demogorgon, but not the American is getting fed. So there was that little teeny hint that Hopper was alive. A lot of people just kind of widely assumed that Hopper was the American that they were choosing not to feed to the Gorgon at the end of that of season three. So I'm with you. There's not much here. What it basically does is announce to us that they're filming it. It's moving forward. Season four is going to happen. And all we can do now is start playing around with our theories and start going back and forth and start having fun with it. Like we do with star Wars. And we, we can start, we can start well, going into our fan community. Right. Uh, apparently, I need to go back and do a rewatch before I start coming up with any theories because I don't even remember what happened in season three. So, <laughs> add, add that to my watch list. Which I think, by the way, to end before we go to the final trailer, I think that you know you mentioned it a minute ago, and I think you're right. A lot of the hardcore Stranger Things fans w- had a sense of disappointment with season three, and because they had a sense of disappointment in season three, I think there's a lot of goodwill built up from one and two, as you stated. And there's a lot of lore there and there's all this stuff that they that they said was going to happen that I think people will naturally want to come back for season four. And there were a lot of people out there that did enjoy season three. Don't get me wrong, but I, they got to be careful if they do a season three redo. They're, they're going to have a serious step back. And I think fans now, again, Netflix doesn't go off and release their watch statistics. They don't really tell anybody that. But, you know, why are they going to go produce something that nobody's watching? It costs a lot of money to produce these shows. So they do want to be careful here because if they do a season three redo, I think they're going to have a serious step down in quality on their hands. Yeah, so. no, I agree that they, they, they have a, a short window to uh, to take advantage of the goodwill they built up in season one and two. But you can't put two bad seasons back to back. That's what that's what kills these series. Absolutely. 
So moving on to our final trailer. This one was released on Valentine's Day. So Netflix gave us a Valentine's Day treat, and it wasn't exactly a lovey-dovey kind of treat. It was a bloody, disgusting Dracula slash vampire slash werewolf slash demon slash vampire hunter, whatever the hell you want to call it. Just a bloodbath. I am so excited about this Castlevania season three. Now I loved the video games growing up. That was on the old NES moving forward to the, uh, the Sega Genesis, then into Sony PlayStation, the Castlevania series has released some phenomenal video games in its time. It's symphony of the night, Castlevania bloodlines, Castlevania three, Dracula's curse, And one of the greatest things about the Castlevania series has always been the story that comes with it. The Exiles have talked a lot about the Last of Us series. The Last of Us is a wonderful video game series. It really delves into a very truly a personal human story. And even in the days of the 8-bit generation, the Castlevania series was still able to do that by giving us the Belmont family, how far back they went, the fight against Dracula, the, 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 the people of Wallachia that went after them and treated them as witches and burnt them at the stake and everything like that. It was, it's a wonderful lore that goes backwards with the Castlevania franchise and the Belmont family. And then as you played the games moving forward, you got to play as Dracula's son and all the powers and abilities that, that a vampire would have and the descendants of the Belmont clan. So the reason I say that is a setup to this series. There is a lot of lore, there's a lot of story, there are a lot of characters in the Castlevania storyline, and there's a lot of fans. People really do love it. Vampires are love the world over, man. People love vampires. They can't get enough of them. Even Stupid Twilight made a bunch of movie, just a bunch of money. The people just love vampires. So a couple of years back, Netflix decided to get together and start talking about a Castlevania TV show. And eventually it morphed into an animated series. We got a pretty short season one and it blew the doors off. People loved it. We got a longer season two, which had better animation. We had better characters. It really started to delve into the lore with Dracula and his generals. You also got a female vampire that seemed to want to take over the world and kill all the humans. And you got Trevor Belmont. He is the last of the Belmont clan. He's treated by the people of Wallachia in Eastern Europe as as someone that should be burnt at the stake, as someone that people fear. However, he may be the final hope for humanity as Dracula decides to declare a war. Now, another reason that people love this is the reason Dracula hates humans so much is he fell in love with a human woman and they burned her at the stake. They killed her. So they took away his love. So he declares a war on humanity and decides that humans should be wiped from existence. And that forms the centerpiece of season one and two is the fight against Dracula, especially with the belt with Trevor Belmont. And he gets, he brings Alucard who is Dracula's son who also hates his father. And they bring Sypho. She's a sorceress. They bring her into it. So the animation is fantastic. The voice acting is great. It's bloody. It's disgusting. I'm interested in seeing where they were going to go with season three here because Dracula died in season two. There's that's no surprise. If you've watched this, trailer that's not going to be something that's going to be a spoiler to you but it looks like the world is still in trouble with not only the monsters that live at night but also the vampires that want to take over i gave you a very long setup there because i know that you didn't watch season one and two so i wanted you to know what you were getting into so i wanted to hear what you thought of this trailer for season three and did it whet your appetite for a season three and do you want to go back and see season one and two now yeah so Okay, thank you, first of all, for that uh, that, that detailed uh, synopsis of the first two Hope seasons. Hope I didn't bore you. I little... apologize. No, no. I mean, uh, tr- trying to follow it was a little a little tough, but uh, but I, I I got the I got the gist of it. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot to this, right? This is this 
trailer for season three uh, is the first I've seen of this. I actually saw the thumbnail on Netflix probably last year and added it to my uh, watch list. And I've never had a chance to go back and watch any of this stuff. Not season mm-hmm. three, but the series Castlevania as a whole. Um, I mean, it looks it looks interesting. I'm not a huge vampire guy. Um, you know, I've I've had certain uh, vampire stories that work for me. Uh, others that 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 didn't work so much. Um, so so you know, I'm not, I don't necessarily have a a real uh, appreciation for the subject matter, but I don't necessarily dislike it either. So. So like you said, the animation looks good. Uh, production quality looks good on this. Um, it's interesting. Uh, is it interesting enough to push its way up my backlog of shows I want to watch and movies I want to watch? <laughs> Debatable. I have a feeling this is going to probably sit on my watch list, uh, accumulating seasons. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so it is interesting. Uh, but long story short, there's probably still other things I want to watch first. We've got Altered Carbon coming out. Uh, what in, in, in a week, uh, like eight days, I think, um, you know, we've got other, we've got, uh, Clone Wars starting on Disney plus. So mm-hmm. there's always something competing. So yes, it looks decent to me, probably not enough to push its way up to the top of my watch list. I'm working on the center right now. We just finished seasons one and two season three is underway. going to try and catch up on that. So <laughs> there's always something a center, by the way, is a great show. If you haven't watched that one, I highly recommend it. Um, I will so, add it. yeah. So, so this looks good. Um, just not necessarily enough to sway me to bump it up the list. I haven't even watched The Witcher yet, so probably The <laughs> Witcher comes before this. So, um, yeah. So, good, Can good, I... but not good, not good enough to necessarily uh, make me rush out to watch it. I'll, I'll give you a take. I enjoy seasons one and two of Castlevania more than I enjoyed the first season of The Witcher. <laughs> I, 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 right, I'm sorry. Well, I'll take that into consideration. I will take that into consideration. <laughs> I, I and you're and I'm, you're talking to someone who liked The Witcher. I liked it. I thought The Witcher was good. I thought it was a bit slow. It took a little too long to get where it wanted to go, and the time shifts back and forth. You'll understand where I'm coming from when you watch it. We're a little confusing, but it was a good show, and it was bloody, and it was gross, and it. it I thought it was a very good show. This I felt was better. I, I thought that the lore that they went into, the stories that they went into, the, especially the human stories and the background of vampires, the background of Dracula, uh, the background of why certain vampires hate us. They don't just see us as food. They actually legitimately hate us. I thought was really cool. And, and I really liked how they even played with some of the religious aspects, too. And, and said that God is a part of these people's lives, but so is magic. So God and magic can exist at the same time, which you don't see that a lot. Very adult take. Now, if it's, it's done in a very anime style. So if you watch anime, and I would never profess to be an anime connoisseur, but I do watch enough to do damage. Occasionally, it can be a little campy. And this happens sometimes in the show. There are, there are times when you're, I roll my eyes with some of the stuff that they say. But the stories are so good. The acting is so good. And the, the animation is so good. And they do keep a very dark adult tone to it, too. Not just dark for the sake of being dark, but I mean like an actual adult tone. I thought it was done very well. Highly recommend it. I'm excited for season three. I am going to watch this. And it's a binge. They're not going to do that whole thing where they re- like Disney Plus where they release it week to week to week. The entire season will drop. So when I'm done watching a couple other things, I'll spend two or three days watching this. Anybody else out there, if you're a vampire fan, if you're a fan of Castlevania and the video games, Highly, highly recommend this thing. I'm looking forward to season three. Here's a question for you, Christian. If I were to give this thing a two or three episode test, would it mm. would it grab me in the first two or three episodes of season one? 
I don't know about season one. I will tell you that the first episode of season one will definitely grab you because it's it, it hits you real fast. And then a couple of episodes into season one, you're kind of like, okay, this is a short season, so they really need to get moving here. And then the final episode hits, and it's great. It's not to me until season two where the show really hit its stride. So I think it would grab you in the first episode, but in the middle of that first season, you'll kind of be questioning where they're going. And then it ended it, it ended on a very high note. And then season two got going really well. There's a warning there for you. So I'm just, I'll, I'll throw that out All there. Right. So well, here's it. what I'll do for you, Christian. I will give episode one a season one a try when we are done this podcast tonight. I am, <laughs> I, I am going to give that a try. So you got to let me know what you think. Yeah, barring barring falling asleep, which uh, you know is a recurring problem, me falling asleep three times in episode one of The Witcher. Uh, if mm-hmm. I can pull through and stay awake long enough to get through season one, episode one, I will let you know what I think uh, before our next podcast. Thank you. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> All right. So, any any final thoughts on Castlevania season three before uh, we we wrap up tonight's episode? No, nope, I think we crushed it. I I'm, I just would like to push people to watch it. That's all. <laughs> all right well, we have a strong recommendation and a detailed synopsis go out there and give uh give a castlevania a chance so so with that christian let's uh let's wrap up tonight's episode um and to all of our listeners uh by all means uh we would love to hear from you uh let us know what you think uh let us know your opinion on any of these topics you can comment underneath our posts on uh, twitter at uh, at the film exiles uh, we'll have this up. Uh, we're recording tonight on a Wednesday night. Hopefully we'll have our audio available to subscribers and uh, we'll post a link on our Twitter page, hopefully by by Friday of this week. And the YouTube version will follow shortly thereafter. So so please do, um, you know, engage with us. Let, it know, let us know what you think about the topics, the podcast in general, either on Twitter or on our YouTube page. Uh, we would love to hear from you and continue the conversation. So, Christian, if anyone wants to reach out to you directly, where can they find you? If you want to talk to me about Castlevania, uh, you, you can find me on uh, on Twitter at chart6363. Happy to chat about anything, all joking aside. Awesome. Well, enjoyed this tonight, Christian. And uh, if anyone wants to uh, get a hold of me, you can always find me on Twitter at underscore Paul underscore Pete. So um, once again, thank you for joining us and uh, stay exiled. <laughs>